her name. Amen. Well, recently Amanda and I started watching a new TV show that has really got my mind thinking about the idea of freedom. Uh, the TV show is called The Great. Maybe you've seen this show. Uh, it tells the story of Catherine the Great, who was an empress in Russia in the 1700s. It's, it's the tagline of the show is a, a sometimes true story. So if you want to know exactly what happened, the show's really not going to tell you exactly what happened. But it is kind of playing with these characters and revealing some things uh, about, as I said, freedom in a way. Because uh, Catherine the Great was a famous empress, but before she was a famous empress, she was married to Peter III, who was the Tsar of Russia. Uh, and Peter, if you close your eyes and imagine, what does a bad leader look like? Uh, you get an image of Peter. Peter is what we think of when we think of a bad leader. He does whatever he wants. He is the picture of gluttony. He spends all day eating and drinking and carousing. He, he gets whatever he wants, and everyone in the palace makes sure that everything is deferred to him, that his every whim and desire is met. And this is, uh, in the days of the Tsar, you would have referred to, to, to Peter as the sovereign as in he's the one who gets to make all of the decisions. And I think in a way, this is a kind of freedom. When we think about what it means to be free, sometimes we think of this. Freedom is the ability to do whatever you want without restrictions. We're pretty lucky today that we live in a society in which we don't have a czar. We live in a democracy in which sovereignty doesn't rest with one person but rests with all of us as we all try to make the decisions together, which is messy in a way, but is infinitely better than having a czar, right? We can all agree on that. But in many ways, when we talk about freedom, we still kind of talk about freedom as this sovereignty, as the ability to do whatever you want, as having your decisions unencumbered. And so in our scripture today, we're going to hear the story about Jesus, who is presented like a king figure. Jesus is presented as the heir of David's throne. But we're going to hear this story from early in his ministry in which he is tempted to use the freedom, the sovereignty that he has for himself. And Jesus has all the power, right? Jesus has the power of God. He doesn't have to be hungry. He doesn't have to be thirsty. He has the power to end whatever struggle he goes through. But the gospel writer shows us that rather than exploit this absolute freedom, he instead is a different kind of ruler, one who doesn't exploit that kind of freedom. He doesn't live for his own needs. Instead, he lives for something that is greater, for the kingdom of God. And so in the show, uh, I'm not ruining it too much. You could get this from the first episode. Peter is contrasted with Catherine, his wife. And early in the show, 
Catherine dreams about a romantic partner, this person who she will marry, who will fulfill her as a person. And she gets to Russia and she marries Peter III, who I told you was a bad person. And she realizes really quickly he's not going to be that love. But she realizes with the help of a servant that maybe Peter wasn't who she dreamed of. Maybe instead what she dreamed of was Russia itself. And so she gives herself to something that is greater than her, her new nation. This is the same thing that Jesus does. He's not dedicating himself to an earthly kingdom, but rather to the kingdom of God. And that means that sometimes what he wants has to be put aside. So when he is tempted in the wilderness, rather than claim the power that is due rulers, he defers. Because Jesus is a different kind of ruler who exercises a different kind of freedom. Which kind of makes us need to ask the question, what is it that we give ourselves to? Our own freedom? Or something that's greater than we are? So let's hear our scripture today from the Gospel of Matthew. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee he left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road to the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, to the people who are in, sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. May God bless this reading. In our Bible, we, we have four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each of the gospels presents Jesus in a different light, which is nice. It would be kind of boring if we had four gospels that said exactly the same thing. What we know from the Gospels is that they're trying to approach Jesus' identity and his mission from different angles. So in Luke, 
Luke is really concerned with Jesus' ministry to the Gentiles. And the letter of Luke, or the Gospel of Luke, opens with this greeting to a Theophilus, this this Greek-sounding name. In John, Jesus, his divinity is really important. His presence is the kingdom of God, which is very different than the other Gospels. And then in Mark, uh, Mark uses the word urgently, like 30 times. Mark is really concerned with the coming of the kingdom, which is happening like now. Get ready. But in the Gospel of Matthew, where our scripture comes from today, the focus is largely on one specific feature of Jesus' ministry, or his identity. It's concerned with his relationship to David, the great king. It's the thing that Matthew is most concerned with. Jesus is the Messiah, which means the anointed one, which is the same term that was used for King David when he was chosen as king. God says that I'm going to anoint him as king. And if you look at the genealogies in the Gospels, there are two genealogies. If you go back and read Luke's, you've probably seen them. Whenever I get to the genealogies, I skip over them really fast. You probably do the same thing. But this is one important thing to remember is that in Luke's genealogy of Jesus, it goes all the way back to Adam, to the beginning. And so Luke is trying to say, Jesus is not just Messiah to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles, going all the way back to all humanity. But Matthew, his genealogy goes back to David, to the king. It's as though Matthew is trying to say, Jesus is the heir to David's throne. Jesus is the rightful king. And so the temptation in Matthew is part of this narrative. Because for a lot of rulers, the point of being in charge is that you get to do whatever you want. Why be king if you don't get everything that your heart desires? Remember we talked about the idea of sovereignty. The king, the ruler, is the one who gets to make whatever decisions they want. And so if, if you were in a situation like Jesus, you could do whatever you want. That's the point of being king. And so Jesus is in the wilderness. And while he's there, he's tempted by the devil. And you can hear this, right? You are hungry. And you have all the power. That means you can transform these stones into bread. Why not just do it? But Jesus knows that he lives for something greater than his own desires. He lives for the kingdom. So he rebukes the devil. And the devil tempts him, saying, you should throw yourself off the top of the temple because angels will come down and rescue you. But he rebukes him. Finally, the devil says that he can take control of all Jerusalem, maybe even all of the world, if he just bows down and worships the devil. And you've got to believe that there are more than a few rulers throughout the years who took the devil up on this offer. Sell your soul and I'll give you everything you want. But Jesus knows that he lives for something more than his ultimate power. He lives for the kingdom of God, and so Jesus rebukes the devil. And this story is in Matthew because Matthew, more than 
the other gospel writers is concerned with Jesus' role as the Messiah, as the anointed ruler. And it's almost as though Matthew is trying to say Jesus isn't like those other rulers. While others make everything about their own desires, using complete freedom to do whatever they want, Jesus lives for something else, for something that's greater. Jesus lives for the kingdom of God, a kingdom that is not of this world, a kingdom that is drawing near but is not here yet. So Jesus in the wilderness limits his own desires because what he lives for is greater than those desires, which is the challenge for us. What do we live for that is greater than ourselves? And what are we willing to give up for it? We live in this culture that, that guarantees us our freedoms. And it's, it's one of the best parts, if not the best part, about being an American. But we all also have to stop and ask the question, just because you have the right to do something doesn't mean that it's a good thing to do. Paul says this to his followers. Paul says, all things are lawful, but all things are not beneficial, which is a helpful guide. Because when the focus of your life is on something greater than yourself, then you will accept limits. Jesus is our guide for this. He can exercise all sorts of power, and yet his kingdom, his kingdom requires that he not exercise that power. So we know how this works, right? We have free speech as Americans. We can say whatever we want, whenever we want. Have you ever tried it? How does it work? We don't say things that are demeaning to others or things that are hateful. We don't, sorry. We try not to say things that are demeaning to others and things that are hateful, right? We try to refrain from that. We place limits because we know that saying those things has repercussions. You're allowed to say whatever you want, of course, but some of those things that we are allowed to say are not of the kingdom. And so we don't say them. When you live for something that is greater than you, then you sometimes have to accept limits. The thing about limits that I think worries us is we always think that limiting ourselves will restrict our lives, will make them less full. But actually, sometimes placing limits helps your world flourish, helps you find new ways to be. I read this article uh, last year, it came in the Jesuit publication, America Magazine. And the title really caught my attention and I sat with the article for a while before I even finished it. The article was called, Total Freedom is False Freedom, How Rules and Constraints Make Our Lives Better. And the author explains how restrictions can help foster creativity that when we have certain limits, it helps us live in different ways. Uh, maybe this sounds a little bit counterintuitive. Creativity is what happens when you have the freedom to do whatever you want. 
But he, he tells this example of, of a writer named Theodore Geisel. This was an author who was challenged by his publisher to write an entire book using only 50 words. And that sounds near impossible, right? Who could possibly write a book in 50 words? And the answer is Geisel, who wrote under the pseudonym Dr. Seuss, and the book was Green Eggs and Ham. It's a book that we've heard of, right? But the point of telling this story is that finding direction in our lives, deciding to live for something greater than ourselves, does require that we put limits on ourselves. That if you're not gonna live simply for your own pleasure, if you're gonna live for something like a kingdom, then you have to not just do whatever you want. But in doing that, you find new ways to live, new creative ways to serve the kingdom. You find that in some ways you were limited, but in other ways you were given freedom to live differently. And so in Christianity, we know what, what this limit is. We have a really great guide who shows us the way we ought to live our life. We see the teachings and the ministry of Jesus and we see the kingdom that he preaches and proclaims. But we have to remember that Jesus, when he is tempted to claim and use his ultimate power to do whatever he needed to do to provide his own fulfillment, instead denied himself. And so we learn that we can live our lives for our own pleasure to get whatever we want, regardless of how it affects others. But that's not the kingdom. What we see in Jesus' life instead is that we ought to give ourselves to love and kindness and mercy and forgiveness and the other things that Christ teaches. We see that we can live for something greater. Of course, when we do live for that something greater, we do find our world transformed. The relationships we cultivate, the service we provide for others, the love we share, we may not always get what we want, we may have to keep some of our own desires in check, but the world around us changes. And this is one of the lessons in the TV show, The Great. Peter lives for himself. Does whatever he wants, says whatever he wants, gets whatever he wants, and you would think, oh, he must be happy. But he's not. He's obsessed in the show with whether or not other people like him. His friends lie to his face and spread rumors behind his back. Why? Because he's a jerk. Because he's mean. Because he's not treating people well. Meanwhile, his foil, Catherine, who chooses not to pursue her own every desire, but instead gives herself to the greater cause of the nation of Russia, she finds friends and allies around every corner that support her not to mention her legacy. She's called Catherine the Great. People remember her for what she gave her life to. And so in choosing to give our lives to Jesus and his kingdom, we may be foregoing some of our own desires. We may not be fulfilling everything that we want all of the time. 
you know, we might choose in our life to give money to support the poor and not spend it on ourselves. We might decide on a Saturday morning to wake up and go serve at food finders instead of sleeping in. But you begin to realize that when you limit these desires in your life, that you're actually producing a life that is much more meaningful in the long run. And that's the point of the kingdom, living for something that is greater than ourselves. Because Jesus could have been a king like all of the other kings we hear about who had every desire fulfilled. There were other rulers in Jesus' time who lived just like that. We could be the kind of Christians who think that our faith is only about what we want. There are Christians who live that way. But what Jesus teaches is that when we give ourselves to something greater, when we live for something that is beyond simply what we want, especially when that something greater is the kingdom of God, when we live that way, we find a new kind of abundant life that we didn't even think was possible. We find the world around us transformed. Amen. As we gather for worship this morning, we invite you to connect with us. For folks who are worshiping for the first time, if you want to introduce yourself following worship, we'd love to get to know more about you. And that goes the same for folks online. If you want to like and comment and follow, and we would love to know more, more about what brought you to our community. Let's rise and sing together. We sing, take my life.